Hello, Brilliantistas. Welcome. I am Sherry Custer, the host of the Brilliantista podcast. And today we have an episode with the brilliant Nicole Montez. As you can tell on these Brilliantista podcasts, it's all about highlighting and illuminating the brilliance of women and grabbing those little nuggets that we can take from them and learn from their experiences so that we can become better in illuminating our own brilliance. Our guest today is absolutely a woman to look up to. She's a mother of two girls. She will share a lot about her story because it truly is her story and how she even became a mother as well as what happened shortly after. But she teaches us the lesson of really how to get up, how to get up when you want to fall or you do fall. Maybe life just happens and you fall and how to create the mindset around pushing through and moving forward in your goals and your dreams, regardless of what life pushes at you. And she's not going to sit here and tell you that you know she has some superpower of some kind that just allows her to be stronger than everybody else. And she's also pretty vulnerable and pretty raw in sharing the details of what actually did happen to her and, and the struggles of really getting back up again. Nicole's passion truly is teaching people. It's not about living life without fear, but how to identify how fear is holding you back and how to work on moving forward. She's going to share some great insights. And I would honestly say, because we have the ability to edit these, we only give you the good stuff. So let's dive in. You're listening to the Brilliantista podcast, where women elevate women who desire success in business and life. Each week, I'll share valuable insights, actionable steps, and powerful interviews with brilliant women who open up to share the wisdom, tips, and strategies behind their success, helping you to elevate your own. I'm your host, Sherry Custer, a stay-at-home mom who built a seven-figure business with zero experience, but the willingness to figure it out. All righty, so we're going to jump into today's podcast with one of my favorite people on the planet. Her name is Nicole Montez, also known as Nicole K. Montez on all of her social media channels. You can find her. And the reason I invited Nicole on today's podcast for our Brilliantistas is because she really has one of the most unique stories and her brand, which I really love, really revolves a lot around fearlessness. For those of you who have the wishful thinking that everything will go right in your life and that you dream the dream that all will line out, the perfect career, the perfect family, the perfect life, it doesn't always go that way. And I know as Nicole will dive into her story a little bit, it definitely did not go that way for her. But I also know this. I know as she shares her story, it's made her who she is. And I wanted her to come on today's podcast with me so that we all can see there is so much amazingness that comes from the struggles, from the challenges, and they only make us better. And as Nicole has done with so many women, helping them to step in to that that fear to become fearless and to be able to move forward. So welcome, Nicole, to our Brilliantista podcast. And would you please, what else would you like everyone to know about you? Thank you, Sherry. I'm so grateful uh, to be invited and to be here sharing this, this space with you. And gosh, if I was to pick something that I wanted to share with everyone, it would just be, I am just Uh, a woman, just like every woman listening here that has, you know, a list of successes and a list of failures and a list of doubts and a a list of confidences and and just just a mom uh, doing her best. So that's what I would share. Well, I love that about you. And as we just learned at the event that I was just at with Amy Porterfield, you're a big deal. So we were told every one of us is a big deal. And at the same time, we are all going through the same things. So thank you so much for sharing with everyone um, the way you feel about that. You bet. 
I know you have a beautiful website and and you have so much to your story on your website, which I really, really love. But I want to know if you wouldn't mind sharing with it with everyone. And I'll share a little bit about what I know as well. Your journey started off in a certain place. Like I said, when I did the intro, you got a great job, you had a plan, and then something happened. Share with us what happened. I, oh my goodness. And I believe that's what happens to all of us in the midst of a plan we think we might have, especially a plan for our lives in our mid-20s is where I found myself. And at the brink of climbing my corporate career, I had a lot of plans. I was excited. I thrived on thinking I had some sort of control over what could happen and what would happen in my life. Um, I found myself pregnant and I was, it was six weeks before my wedding, my, you know, my big wedding that, that we had spent months planning. And it, it was not only a surprise, it was unwelcomed in my family that we would do anything less than perfection. And I definitely sought a lot of approval in my pregnancy in hopes that people would embrace the order in which I did things. Uh, And the only thing, Sherry, that I can share with you today is it didn't go as expected. My life turned upside down when I gave birth to a baby girl who we named Alexandra, who had this bright red hair and bright blue eyes and freckles at birth. And we found out two weeks later, she was diagnosed with a genetic disease called cystic fibrosis. And today, cystic fibrosis is still actually the most lethal uh, disease a child can be born with genetically still today. And it was a, a devastating for those of you that are moms that are, you know, sitting here and having your baby is is the most beautiful moment in in our lives when that baby is placed in our arms. But when you get a diagnosis at the same time and you look at this baby may or may not survive my lifetime, it really becomes a tragic situation. And you're left, I always say, on the floor trying to figure out whether you can get up and, and whether you can go on. And that's the position I was in. Uh, when I was 25 years old. Wow. I've, I've heard you share your story and, and many times and I, I still have goosebumps. So I have all these goosebumps running down my arms because I am a visual person. So I can visualize, I'm kind of putting myself in that space. And obviously for you, very, very, very scary and very unsure. What did you decide to do? What direction did that information send you? Well, the cut and dry answer is amongst a lot of other recommendations from the team of doctors, they recommended that she not go into daycare. And that was my plan. My plan was when I finally came to terms with with this pregnancy being unexpected and untimely in my life plan, I was climbing the ladder and I expected to take a short maternity leave and maybe get a nanny or maybe find a, a great daycare and return to work. Well, when that recommendation was given, I made the decision to be home. So my entire identity was this corporate woman got shifted to a stay-at-home mom, and none of that was in the plan. I immediately knew I would need to find something to do to earn income from home, but it wasn't immediate that I made that decision to do it. I first had to get up off the floor. And that is a much deeper part of my story. But I made a decision and it was an afternoon. Um, Allie was sleeping, uh, taking a nap. And I remember making the decision to, to lead her in a sense that if I wanted her to have a great life, I was going to have to demonstrate a great life. If I wanted her to fight for her health, I was going to have to fight for mine. And I knew if I became a victim and felt sorry for myself, even though I was in the depths of pain throughout this this time, if I became a victim to that, she would become a victim. And the chances of her surviving 
and living a long life would be a lot slimmer if we were in that victim mode. When I talk about getting yourself off the floor, obviously not every mom has you know, a child with a disease or, or special needs, but we all find ourselves in the midst of diagnosis, whether it's our child or our spouse or ourselves, a disease, sickness, a divorce, bankruptcy, these identity changes that rock us to our core that send us on the floor. I'm most passionate about, I'm obsessed actually with it, helping and Mm -hmm. and inspiring women to get off the floor and take charge and control of their lives. And that's what I did. So obviously, I'm going to guess it wasn't easy. It It was was never easy. Yeah. It's still not easy. Simple decision, but I'm glad you said that because sometimes women will hear, you know, oh, just pick yourself up and keep on going or, you know, you have this child who needs you and and yet you're sitting there like going, yeah, but I need something now too. Who's going to pick me up? Like who's going to hold yes. me? And we're looking at ourselves going, well, it's got to be me. Like yes. I have to pick myself up and it's not so easy. Do you have, was there something that helped you to to get enough support or something that helped you to get yourself up off the floor? Yes. Um, a couple things. I'm a Christian woman and I, my faith, there's a little voice inside of me and, you know, to everyone listening um, to me, it could be intuition. It could be, it could be God. It could be the universe, whatever you, you choose to rely on. But for me, it was a voice telling me this is my calling and it was going to be okay And I know not everybody has that situation. And even if you do, you still doubt it. You still think, prove it. Tell me, how, what do you mean? How, how can this possibly be okay? Yeah. I tried to develop a support system. Actually. I I love that you asked that. I, but I was 25. I, I had a new baby. My, my entire network of friends, we were fresh out of college. Most weren't married, much less have a baby, much less be dealing with this type of diagnosis. So I really struggled to find a support system and and really had to look internal. But there's a point in your life, whether it's, you know, we can go talk to our friends and we can talk to a therapist and we can pray and we can read books. And I'm a fan of every one of those. I, 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 a big fan, but there's a point you have to swim. There's a point you have to make a move and no one can do it for you. No one can pick you up off the floor because you'll fall back down because you're relying on that. There's a moment and it's a it's it's a pivotal decision you have to make to go through that pain to build the muscle and only you can make it. And it will be hard. It's supposed to be it's supposed to challenge you. It's supposed to scare you. It's supposed to Your knees can shake as you're getting off the floor, but only you can do it. And you have to make that choice. Wow. Okay. So girl, obviously you made that choice Mm -hmm. and I'm sure it's a choice you have to keep making every single day. How old is Allie now? Well, you called her Alexandra. I've heard you call her Allie. Yes. She goes by Allie. How old is she now? 17. She's a senior. Yeah. She just started her senior year in high school. So for 17 years... Mm -hmm. You have cheerleaded yourself. You have championed yourself Mm -hmm. to help and inspire Allie to champion herself. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share anything about what you have seen come out of that decision to jump in? Absolutely. To get yourself up off the floor? Yes. And and it is so important because I know there's, you know, Allie isn't the only time I, you know, her diagnosis wasn't the only time, you know, in these 17 years I found myself on the floor by any, by any means. It is tough. It is tough to lead yourself, much less lead a, a child or, you know, other women. And it's, it's tough. Believe me, I've, I've had days. I, I, I've had a lot of days where, you know, we talk about, I get out of bed and I write everything I'm grateful for and I pray. <laughs> I've had, and I love, and if you're one of those women, I honor you. Um, I have days like that, but I also have days that if I get to carpool on time, without a bra, I have like done it. That has been like an achievement of the day. <laughs> and and that is the reality. I think of a lot of our lives, you know, as, as moms, we have a choice as to how we see things. And I, I go back to that statement of, for me, 
when I had thoughts of why me, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to her? And I think that was my biggest question sometimes was why, why her? And it still happens. We visit the hospital every couple months and, you know, there's a lot of challenges, but there's something called speaking vibrance and speaking life into a situation. And I did my very best. I failed sometimes, still do, but I did my very best to speak the future into Allie and the vision of you can do this. You can live a long life and you you have a diagnosis, but you are not your diagnosis. And I also take that message to my girlfriends and to women. You are not what happened to you. It happened to you, but it is not who you are and it doesn't define you, but it is our responsibility to choose what does define us. And the same thing with Allie. She fell in love with dance. Um, she started at age two. And at age five, I went to her recital. And I I just sat back and I looked at Dan and I was like, my goodness, she owns the stage. She just lights up. This is in her soul. And she fell in love with it. And we've nurtured this dance career. And she's training right now to be a professional dancer. She loves Broadway. But it's such an incredible story because, mind you, they told us she had a 50% chance of surviving childhood and may never be able to have the lung capacity to do sports. So it's really a miraculous situation. And I'm super proud of the fighter she's become. But I'm more proud of the attitude that I've witnessed inside of her, the attitude that says, I still have to work hard for everything I have, despite my diagnosis, despite having to work harder than other people, I still have to do it to live a great life. And I think that's a great message for all of us. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I'm, I I am one of those people as, as we talked about, even before we started this podcast, like I hear every single word you're saying and I hear in all of, of the words of Allie and what she is and, and you're saying you're, you're, you are, you, you spoke life into her Mm -hmm. and you also made that decision to get yourself off, off the floor. You made that decision that it wasn't going to be easy. You never instilled upon her that it was going to be easy. You knew that this was a life, but it was all worth fighting for like every single step of the way. Mm-hmm. That's huge, Nicole. Like that's huge and not easy. And and you were very clear. You were very clear to say that it's not easy. Mm-hmm. And I loved how you said, it's like, listen, like right now I'm not even wearing a bra, <laughs> ladies. It's uh, you know, we do our yeah. best. We do do our best. And that's, and sometimes we don't do our best. Sometimes it's, you know, it is an effort kind of yeah. a day. And you know what? We're just going to, you know, it's like, we're not going to be our best. And hey, it's just who we are. So thank you so much for that. That's, that's huge. It's, we all, we all need that permission that just says, you know, yes, we want to be great at what it is we do. Yes, we want to be inspiring. But hopefully I'm inspiring you to say, it's okay to F it up. It's okay to not be perfect. So, but yeah, you've, you've definitely, you've inspired me. Um, I, I think the very first time I ever met you, I see this beautiful woman and I see this vibrancy coming from her successful, not just a little successful, big time successful, well-respected in her industry and well-respected for who you are as a person. And then there's all these different layers. And some people could look at you and think, I could never be you. Yeah. And yet who wants to trade? You know, who would want to trade? Well, aren't we all working on something? Aren't we all dealing with something? And I know that you pour so much of your soul. Like you said, it was like, it was, it's what drives you. It's what you're passionate about. It's what you're excited about is you love helping women to see all of who they are. You know, I, I reference baskets. I always say we're all a gift basket. And if you've ever gotten one of those pre-made up gift baskets, there's those really cool things. And then there's those things you want to re-gift to somebody else. And then there's those things in there. You're like, what the hell is this? Like, what am I supposed to do with this thing? And then you're sitting there like, and then they just shove this thing in here for filler. (laughs) And it was like such a waste of space. So we're like all these little gift baskets walking around. And we all have those same exact combinations. Like some of the stuff is like, it smells, some of the stuff, it smells good, you know? So that's who we are. And you've helped women to help see like, 
work on what's good. You know, don't worry about what's bad. So I, I love that you've taken your experience that kind of woke you up really fast and said, okay, you know, I've got to figure out how to get up and get moving and get going. And, and because yeah, here's this baby, here's this baby and I need to do. And I know that Allie is not your only child. <laughs> She's not. No, I have a 13-year-old. So we want to make sure we introduce, we want to make sure we introduce your beautiful, both of Thank your beautiful you. girls. You have two beautiful girls. Share, tell, tell us what's your, your other little girl and what she and My does. other little girl is 13, Isabella. We call her Izzy. She, uh, she's also a dancer, which darn it. I, I wanted her in something else so I could have the experience of two different, you know, sports or something. And she became a dancer, but she just started eighth grade. So I'm a mom of two girls. Love it. It's challenging. And I know that you know that, but it's beautiful. I tell myself. (laughs) (laughs) The reminder. I sometimes believe it, but yes. (laughs) Like how many words do you have in your house? How many signs do we ha- do we have in our house reminding us, right? right? What's a sign that's in your house right now? Like what what's something that's up in your house? Some words that you have, like either in a frame oh, or right. like, decaled right, on your like wall. The live every day like it's your last or, you know, I have these reminders of things like that in my phone, yeah, like in my calendar. Um, but they're all over my wall yeah. <laughs> as well. You know, shine bright. God's in control, you know, all these things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but let's be real. I, says, even yeah. when they're in my phone and I see them every day, I, I think I become numb to them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Got to change them up every totally. now and then. Yeah. I have a, I have this reminder. So I was reading the book, uh, Judgment uh-huh. Detox. And I am going, you know, I, I will raise my hand and say, you feel like you're trying to not judge others and very accepting of others. But boy, when you really start to dig into your mental <laughs> response to everything we do. Anyway, so Gabby says, put a reminder in your phone yes, every day to, to remind yourself to not judge. And so every day, it, it used to be at 11, 11, but I always found like that was always either in the middle of a meeting or in the middle of a call. So apparently I do something always right around that time. So either I have an 11 o'clock call and the alarm would go off. So I changed it to 1, 11 and I'm usually having lunch, but that alarm goes off and it says, you know, today I will judge nothing that yes. occurs. Yeah. We, we have to be reminded obviously on a regular basis. So we're all human. We don't have it all figured out. We're you not bet. perfect in any you way. Bet. I of course love, love, love to dive deep into mm-hmm. people. And sometimes I have the opportunity to, to do that. And sometimes I don't, but it's almost like everybody I meet, I'm just trying to, to extract, get out of them some little juicy tidbit. What would you say if somebody were a fly on your wall in your home is something that when you're doing it, you feel like I'm in my zone. I'm doing what lights me up. Writing. I love to write. Mm. I I read somewhere the other day that you either know you're a writer or you're not. You either feel it in your soul or or you don't. And I for sure am a writer. I, I love writing. I love writing about my personal stories, my lessons, lessons I've learned from, you know, other women. But writing lights me up. It it I, I feel on fire. And sometimes that is even journaling. And I notice within myself when I'm not doing that one thing that, that lights me up, I'm flatter. I don't feel that, you know, that spark, that aliveness. So writing is just, and it's so boring to watch. That would be so boring for someone to be on my wall and and watch, but they might be intrigued by how focused I am in that. But writing lights me up. Oh, and and on a lighter side, decorating. I love to decorate. That would be fun to watch me do because I I'm one of those that has the summer decorating, and soon I'll do my fall decorating. I just love to decorate. I love that. And, and by the way, people would want to see. It's like you you hear all the time, right? Uh-huh. You know, journal, uh, write your affirmations, write, 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 write. Come down with your create. You know, write down your creative yeah. ideas. People are writing books. I had a 
um, I had this title, this name of this book come to me and I thought, okay, I'm going to write that someday. And I was like, no, you're not Sherry. You will not be the person to write it. You'll record it. You'll record it, but you will not, you will not be the one that's going to sit there with your little fingers on a computer and type, 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 type. But yeah, to be able to see like, what does that look like? What does it look like? And I know you have written a book. I know you have a book series coming out or well, you've already got one book out and, but, uh, you, you're working on a series. And okay, so I'm going to just share whether you want to share or not. (laughs) Like you said, I remember a post that you did, not that you told me this, but I remember a post that you did where it was like, oh my God, look at my office, look at my life. Like this is what happens when you put yourself into a little cave and that was like, yeah, see, you can't have the clean everything. You can't have everything perfect when you're going in that zone. So, you know, what was that like? Uh, see, I called you out. You, you so did. It was the, writing my first book was the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Going into my cave, that was actually kind of fun. By the way, my office still looks like that picture. That's so funny. I need to delete that so no one can see. It was like two years ago I took that picture. Um, I think I'm more productive <laughs> that way, even though science says the opposite. But I don't. I don't believe that. By the way, um, but it was the, writing my first book was the hardest thing. One is if if you're talking to people, and this could be talking or writing, if you're talking about things that have affect profoundly affected your heart and, and your soul, it's vulnerable. And when you put that out there in the world, you're prone to judgment. And you brought up that word earlier. I put everything that I felt honestly in that book. And some of it I wasn't proud of. I had a lot of shame around. Now I realize it was pretty normal how I felt, but I put everything out there knowing I could be judged. That was a very vulnerable time for me. Luckily, a lot of the feedback I got was great, but I could relate that to a lot of things in our lives that we achieve something really great. And it, it could even be our child graduating, you know, from high school, it just whatever we're achieving, that's great. And there's going to be a certain amount of people that will rally and say, great job. That was amazing. And there's going to be another handful of people that may not even acknowledge its existence. <laughs> that was hard for me. I, I I believe I it was a great lesson for me, but I expected a lot of applause, not for my own self-esteem, but just because it was such, it was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. And I, I really had to realize that if someone hasn't written a book, they probably don't know how hard that is. And I learned a lot about people in that experience. Between me and you, if we were just having this conversation privately, I'd tell you, I probably shouldn't have announced I'm doing a book series before I finished book one because it would have just been book one. (laughs) But now I'm committed. So kind of those things that we do when I say, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to do a podcast. Guess what you have to do? You got to do a podcast. I'm going to do a (laughs) podcast with a million episodes. Just don't lock yourself in. (laughs) Yeah, no, not going to go there. Not even going to go there. Okay. So, but I love that. So doing what you just said, it's like, it locked you into doing it, but you did the first one. So you did the first one. You yes. learned so much. Would you take away any of that learning experience that you learned yes. through that process? Yes. I learned that you do things for you. That's what I've learned. I've learned that you can heal yourself through telling your story. I've learned your story matters. And today, the amount of women that have, have reached out to me that it gave them hope from their own child's diagnosis, whether it's cystic fibrosis or or not, or a lot of women in transition that have used the same type of things I talked about to help them off the floor. You realize you can impact a lot of people with your story and the story of non-perfection inspires. So I did learn a lot there. I also learned same thing I said earlier that <laughs> there's no easy way to write a book, you know, especially if it's a personal story. You just have to sit down and, and write it and have somebody transcribe it, but you have to do the work. You have to swim. And before a muscle gets stronger, it's going to be sore. And so many people avoid the sore. When things start hurting or becoming uncomfortable, they think it's wrong or not their right direction. But what we have to realize is you can't get to the other side of that strong muscle built in our lives unless we're willing to go through you know, pain and stiffness in every aspect. Yeah. I like that. So I used the analogy just recently 
and I've actually mentally used the analogy a lot and I use it with my husband. I said, I am the little two-year-old sometimes Mm -hmm. kicking and screaming, throwing the little fit on the floor because I'm frustrated that I can't figure it out or I can't get what I want when I want it (laughs) now, daddy. And that it's not easy. It's like, there's not a instant gratification or there's not an instant figuring it out and things Mm -hmm. are difficult and it's painful. And so just like if I was the parent of the two-year-old, I know that it's best to let that two-year-old do some figuring it out (laughs) on their own. I am grateful. I am grateful that nobody comes over and sues me, even though, boy, do I know that people want to shut me up and give me whatever I want. And yet, Gosh, on the other side, right? On the other side, it's like, oh, do not take Absolutely. that lesson from me. I am so grateful. Oh my gosh, I learned same that. thing with our kids. That's such a good lesson. We'll have to do a, a podcast on parenting, but boy, is that a good lesson. Do not take the lesson from your kids either. Yeah, don't take the lesson from your kids. But I'm a good fit thrower too, Jerry. We're very alike there. I'm I'm more like a five year old. Yeah. Have a fit, like pick up my dolls, maybe uproot the game if I'm losing. <laughs> Right all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Monopoly, m- Monopoly right. hotels exactly. everywhere, right? Yeah. Throwing I'm them all. I'm going to disrupt the entire game so no one can win. <laughs> I have my fit. And then I feel so much better. And then I wonder why everybody's mad at me because <laughs> I am now fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, which is in itself is actually a lesson. It's like, don't think you have to hold yeah. it all in. It's, we don't have to sit there and keep our That's hands right. crossed and hold it, you know, exactly. hold ourselves together. It's like, no, some it's venting is part of the process. It's like childbirth, right? For those of us who've delivered babies, they tell you not to scream because that releases the bearing yes. down feeling. But at the same time, it's like, that's why we do need to scream because it lets yeah. it out. It lets, you know, outside of childbirth, it, it allows us to let it out. I remember my mother telling me my oldest is 33. And when I first became a mother, my mother said, now, honey, this very sweet voice, honey, why don't you try to not raise your voice? Why don't you try to parent this way and this way and this way? And I looked at her and I thought, uh, why didn't you? Like great advice, but how do you live it in the moment? How do you do it in the moment? And and I failed. I failed miserably on that challenge. I think it was like day number three. I was like, somebody, you know, forget, forget it. I, it's not going to happen. Um, I would say the older I've gotten, I definitely am not as crazy, but also my kids are much older and I don't, I'm actually now an empty nester. So who am I screaming at? (laughs) Okay. So I want to dig in. I love you. And I was telling Nicole before we started this podcast, the reason, the reason, the reason, if it's ever one reason to make a decision to do something, it was the reason was I have met so many amazing women on my journey. And every single time I have met somebody, whether they intended to or not, I got so much from every one of those relationships that's what I referred to as my riches. I refer to every single person as a treasure that just made me richer and richer and richer. And the opportunity to bring you on as well as the other ladies on to a podcast to help other people and pour into them. That's what this is all about. So the reason, so I, first <laughs> off, we're not done, but you, my darling, are some of the richness that has made me who I am. So I'm so excited to be able to let other people hear your story as you can keep pouring into them and make them richer too. Thank you. So we're going to get into some other stuff here. I'm going to just throw this one out here. Do you believe in the law of attraction? Ooh, good question. Ooh, really good question. Ironically, one of my all-time favorite mentors. Actually, Sherry, you know, we did an event together. So we work together quite often now is Lisa Nichols. And Lisa Nichols was one of the original featured speakers, if you will, in The Secret with Bob Proctor and Canfield, which obviously is based on the law of attraction. So I've had a lot of experience with the law of attraction. I, my answer is twofold. I believe we all have the ability to achieve anything we want in our lives. I believe that wholeheartedly. I believe that we see things first before they manifest in our lives. We visually see it. We see that award we're going to win, or we see that marriage we're going to have. We see something visually before we actually have it, which really is a lot of times the definition of law of attraction. So I believe there are things we can do 
to manifest that as far as affirmations and journaling and, and positive emotions around it. However, I don't believe that I can become one of the world's greatest speakers if I'm not actively working at that every day at the same time as I'm asking for that. So I believe the law of attraction works for you if you work for it, but it doesn't work if you're not working too. I (laughs) love that. I love that. I love that. I I had no idea what you were going to say. So I'm just... So just recently, I was trying to explain to somebody who is very obsessed with pointing out the lucky people in the world. And I'm using quotes, air quotes are happening as I say that word, the lucky, (laughs) the lucky people in the world. I have to keep doing it every time I say it. And I said, really, how can you see that? How can you see they're lucky? And their, their thought was, it seems like with little Mm. effort, great Mm. things happened. And I thought, wow, do we really know it is without very little effort? Because I have experience after experience, after experience, after experience in my life. And obviously you do too, where you were doing in the act and pushing yourself in ways that other people aren't. And you position yourself, you expand on yourself, you, you know, you get training, you get coaching, you invest in yourself, you get mentorship, you listen to podcasts, you learn, you do, you do, you do, you attend, you're, we're going and going and going. And then guess what? That moment happens. That lucky moment happens. But we didn't sit there as the joke Mm -hmm. is, um, ourselves Mm -hmm. into that moment. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Right? Absolutely. And yeah. It's interesting. I had a roommate right after college and we've remained good friends today on Facebook, you know, watching each other's families, et cetera. And earlier in my career, when I first started building, I, I have a, a successful home business. And when I started building that, um, her and I connected and she said something to me, I'll, I'll never forget it. She said, Nicole, I know you're going to be successful because everything you touch turns to gold. Kind of like the Midas touch. And I remember thinking she meant that as a compliment. And I really believe she did. But I was also a little bit offended in some sense because I had to remind myself it turns to gold, meaning, you know, maybe it was successful because I worked really, really hard and I believed in it. And when I couldn't figure it out, I found someone that could help me figure it out. And in my home business, I didn't actually have, you know, typically it's set up where you have a mentor that can help you. I never in all of my years building my home business had anybody do one thing as much as a phone call for me. So I, I really put a lot of effort into that. And a lot of times we don't see that behind the scenes, but I put a lot of effort into my personal growth because I believe that our results and our income follows our personal growth at every level. And that's the stuff people don't see. I appreciated her, her I think, what was a compliment, but at the same time, I wanted her to understand and and you know, other women to understand you can, you can do it too. Any of us can do, uh, turn anything into success if we really want it and we're willing to do what it takes. But sometimes I've opted out of things and I've not made them successful because either things changed, my desire changed, my want changed, who I am changed. Those things aren't shown necessarily in the public eye. So we, we all have a list of failures or, or ways that we've moved on from a particular goal. Um, and I think that we need to do a better job of, of talking about those. Anyhow, mm-hmm. I wanted to, I've, I've mm-hmm. heard those comments quite often with the air quotes, you know, we, mm-hmm. we have to choose not to be offended by those, uh, for sure. Absolutely. Because yeah. we know, and sometimes I use the example, some people find out maybe what I've done to be successful, um, in different areas. And, they decide they don't want to do the work. I, I'm the same way. I, I might you know, want to really want to get in shape and run a marathon. But when I really find out I have to run you know, every day or two times a day, or I may opt out of the work, but I also have to opt out of the achievement and the goal. And that's okay. I just have to own it. I love that. That's, that's a part that I love that you shared that analogy. So as you were speaking and you said, people aren't willing to do what it takes And I'm not going to ask you to go through a list of what did it take, but what I want you, if you wouldn't mind sharing, so you have achieved success uh, in a home-based business, which many, many, many people have 
desire. So people desire to earn an income working from home, which for you, it was an, it was definitely out of a need to be able to stay home and raise your daughter and not go in back to work. And you did do things and you, you, you changed. I know even from the person that I met several years ago to the person that you are today, you've done things to position yourself for those lucky successes or whatever. You've done things. Share with the audience, what are some of the things that you could help people to understand that you did in order to position yourself for success? Yes. Good question. I have. I have done. Um, you know, I've put on some live events. I've, you know, spoken all over the world. You know, my book became a bestseller. And I don't say that to list any sort of accolades. I could list pages of things I did to to make those things happen. I followed people. For example, I did my best to, like Lisa Nichols, I brought up her name. Um, I saw The Secret. I was fascinated by the concept. Saw her speak on stage uh, maybe a year later. And two years after that, came back to the same place to see her speak again. And at that point, she offered a retreat. And uh, it wasn't the right time for me to go on the retreat. So I came back the following year. And it was the last year she ended up offering the retreat. And I bought um, the retreat so I could follow her, essentially, to learn from her. So a lot of my success, I can look back, it's where I've positioned myself to be around the right people. I went to them. I asked them for their guidance, assistance. I put myself out there in in a way that I that I think a lot of people don't, or they wait for that person maybe to contact them or come to their city. Uh, the list goes on, but really positioning yourself, putting yourself in the right rooms, introducing yourself to the right people, the people that you aspire to be. And let's it's easier today. I mean, my goodness, everybody's a a direct message away, right? It's crazy the access that we have. So also besides finding the right people that I could work with to mentor me or I could follow, it would be consistent personal development and growth. I call it doing the work. Some people think that's hard. I ask people to define their hard. Hard to me is doing the same thing over and over and getting the same result in, in a relationship, in parenting, in my business. That's hard. Hard to me is not reading and developing and figuring out why do I do what I do? Why do I say that? Where did I develop this pattern that's no longer serving me? I believe it's it's that inner reflection and it can, can come from podcasts and reading, just like you said. But it's also the ability to do that work, to consistently grow yourself. I would say that's probably the, the number one thing to my success. I still do it today, daily. Okay. So give me a book. What's what's one of your favorite books? Well, maybe not your favorite. What's a book that you've recently read that you would share and say, hey, girlfriends, I would definitely check out this book? Oh my goodness. I love, um, one of the most recent ones I read was Brene Brown's um, Braving the Wilderness. It's a, I've had it on my shelf. I have all these mm, books. I, yeah, I'm a bookaholic. Book. I, I, I share this, but I used to push my books in my baby doll stroller when my friends at like two years old would push their dolls. I just loved books and they made me feel smart and they smelled awesome. <laughs> so I'm a bookaholic. Um, <laughs> but, um, so Brene, I love, yes, Brene Brown. I have a plethora of business books. And to be honest, Sherry, I don't always get through a book. I'm, I'm like, read a chapter in this book. And then the next night I'll read a chapter in this book kind of girl surrounding myself with the the giants like Brene Brown and John Maxwell. Um, are, those are obviously two of my my favorites. But my goodness, I could name, you know, uh, several. Yeah. Don't want to put you on the spot. So here's the thing. I want everyone to know. So Nicole is choosing. So you obviously have identified the direction that you want to go. One of the biggest challenges that I believe we all have is figuring out what's the direction I want to go. I use the the words, <laughs> what do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> and you've chosen, obviously, you, I know you're very clear, but I also know you're kind of going through a where else do I want to go now kind of a phase. And we can talk about that too. But you had a direction. And I think that when some people, it's they're not sure 
I have my suggestion for people who are unsure and I would love to hear yours. Mine just in a nutshell is get out there and experience, get out there and experience a couple of different directions. I, you know, it's like, that's how I define, that's how I figure it out what I want to go. And along the way I go, Ugh, I don't really like that as much as I thought I would. And then we negotiate and figure out where else we want to go and explore. But what do you do to help you? How did you figure out like, this is where I want to go? Cause I know this is standing up in front of a room and speaking to audiences and helping people to move. Uh, I always, you know, I use the analogy of moving them off of where they're at to helping them to get to where they want to go. How did you go through that transition to figuring that out that you wanted to do that? Most everything I've done did not just come to me in the shower where a lot of things come to me. (laughs) Most of my life goals did not consistently, like you said, put myself in new situations of trying. Uh, If I really were to trace this back, Sherry, not going too far, I could trace it to my senior year. I had a you know, in, in high school, I had a internship in a human resource office and I learned I loved people. I loved knowing the stories. So therefore I went to college and majored in business because I was going to be in human resources. Well, that changed. Uh, I put myself in different situations and found out I loved recruiting. Then I had Allie and then the home business worked because I previously recruited. If you can see, there's a stepping stone, but I would have never known that if I was already married to one thing I was going to do for the rest of my life and wasn't flexible. So I was open. So I would encourage people to stay open-minded, put yourself in different situations, but also what lights you up? You know, if, if kids light you up and you're a teacher right now, or maybe it's working with a nonprofit, maybe it's mentoring, you know, big brother, big sister, maybe it's Um, you know, working with children that also have special needs. My youngest is severely dyslexic. Maybe it's what lights you up, what lights you on fire, because it's not always your job or your home business. My home business tends to be in wellness, which aligned perfectly with Allie. So it really lit me up. It still does. But, you know, what lights you up? Makeup or, you know, helping people be their very best and look their best. Um, Maybe that's something in styling and, and beauty. Life's short and it's too short not to be doing what lights you up. Even if you have a corporate job nine to five right now and it's not what you love, you can still add in aspects on the weekends of volunteering or doing something with your your, your children that lights you up. I would say first you have to know yourself enough to know what you love and then put yourself in situations around that, but be open when you're at church or you're at a mom's group or you're at your husband's banquet. Put yourself in situations to where you perk up and and you think, I I like what that girl's doing, or this feels really good, or I feel at home here. That's what I'd suggest. So did anyone ever say, Nicole, you are so good at, did anyone ever speak that into Uh you? Say you're so good with people or you're so, did you ever hear things like that? I did hear that very thing before. Um, I heard, I'm so good at solving problems and, you know, reaching goals and, but not everything I'm good at lights me up. And I think that's a really important distinction. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, when I decided to write my book, become focused a little bit more on the coaching speaking arena, I um, took a backseat in my home business. I was still super present, but I, I really divided my time. I had two loves at that point. And people would say, but you're just so good at this. And and why, you know, you should be doing just this. And, but it, it wasn't lighting me up at as much as speaking and, and writing my book. So now I've combined all three and I, and I love them all three together. But sometimes what you're good at is not what lights you up. And I think sometimes we give people career advice. You're so good with this and you're so good at that because it might make sense that they would do that, but something else might light them up a little bit more. So there's a good distinction there uh, for mm-hmm. sure. So I think taking all of that into account is, is really, really uh, important. It's also sometimes why you see, uh, you know, the, the valedictorian of my high school class ended up going into art because it lit him up. He still does these metal sculptures today and, and he's a genius, brilliant. You know, everybody thought you should be a scientist and you should, you know, start a company and it didn't light him up. Art lights him up and he's happy as can be. That's awesome. You had, I'm so glad, so glad. I wouldn't even have thought of how to even like bring that information about, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. There was actually something that I put together Mm -hmm. when I was working with my team and also in helping people 
because kind of the way my brain works is <laughs> I always say I see people and then I go not like in the like the sixth sense kind of way, but uh, I, I always say I'm not a creeper. I'm not, don't be freaked out. But I would see people and I would see parts of them, but I would tell people, listen, if you're trying to figure out what do you want to be when you grow up? Okay. Number one, what are you good at? So you can just write a nice little list. What are you good at? Number two, Mm -hmm. what, like you said, lights you up? Like, what would you do like constantly? Like you would just do this constantly. Maybe you're, maybe you're terrible at it. Maybe you're like a beginner, a newbie, but boy, when you do it, you love it. And then go ask, go ask other people, like, what would they come to you for? What did they seek you for? They were looking for the one person who could help them in a situation for something, what, what are they coming to you for? But you are exactly right. It's not always what everybody sees you to be. It's sometimes even a, a unique combination. And we did this thing where we write these columns and we found some common denominator that was in all three of them. Mm, yes. To kind of be very um, woven with it all. And that's kind of how we were helping people to identify what that thing is. So I don't know if that's necessarily always going to work because it depends on the advice you're getting and who you're getting it from. But maybe go like Nicole had recommended before, like who are you surrounding yourself by? And are you finding people who are, who they're inspiring you? You're saying, gosh, I would, I wish, I wish, I wish. I love that. And that's, that's actually really true. In my home business, I love the aspect of mentoring and coaching and speaking. So I just took that you know, a different direction as well. So you can take what you're good at. You can take the aspects that you're good at and fit them really anywhere. If you, you figure out what those core, those core things are. Okay. So I'm going to ask just maybe one more question and you have been amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I love, love, love everything. And so I'm like, right now I'm picturing you and I sitting at Kanjani's and I'm of course drinking tea and you're (laughs) of course drinking coffee. (laughs) (laughs) because I know you. I know you've had mentors. Mm. I want to say something about your success Mm. because you have had success. And a lot of what this podcast is about is about helping people to see women who are seen as successful, kind of get to know them a little bit better. So in your journey in building your home-based business, since you did build a successful business and you are, you, you are more than welcome to share with people, you know, what level of success you had, was there moments in building that business where you felt that there was a transition of a person that you were to the person you became in that business? Was there something that you felt like I need to step into this or I have become this? And how did that make you feel? Yes. Um, Gosh, a a few times, gosh, this could open up a whole nother hour of conversation. But one of the biggest was knowing I had to develop the ability to be more vulnerable with people. This is a deeper one. People realized very early on that people needed to see all sides of you. They needed to know that you were working hard and you were successful, but they also wanted to know you had bad days and you had times where you didn't know if you could do it. And I had to become better at talking about all, all, all sides of the story. Um, I grew up where I had a lot of approval for being perfect and having things all together. And I still take that with me today. And it's, I, I always tell people I'm a recovering perfectionist. I'm perfectly recovering from perfectionism. <laughs> it's, it's the craziest thing, but um, I realized people want real and, and they want to know behind the scenes. So that, that was a big lesson for me early on in business. When I developed it, I, I mean, I, I went, I had mentors and I had coaches also my therapist per se. I mean, I really worked hard on letting go of the belief that I can't be vulnerable or people wouldn't want to follow me. So um, I think I just actually answered that question and what I did to overcome that now now that I think about it. Um, So that would be the biggest one, knowing I needed to become more vulnerable. Um, I'm so glad it happened. It's been a big change in my life. It's been a big change in my relationship with my friends and my children um, for the most part. But that was one of the bigger ones. I could probably name pages of lessons like that. 
Okay. So with all of that, so I just want to like, just like <laughs> mind blow everybody. We're in the book of the step-by-step-by-step-by-step process of achieving success in life. Does it say, let everybody see you're a mess. Let everybody see that, you know, you don't have it all figured out. Let everybody see like, right. That's not in the norm. That's not in the world of, you know, especially if you're building with direct sales, home-based business, network marketing, corporate America, you're building a career where you're trying to help people understand you can do what I do. Where in any of that step-by-step process ever says, okay, make sure step number six is fall apart and let everybody see it. It, it's, it's nowhere in the manual. It does not exist. Uh, Instagramming. So we're Instagramming. So if we're out there, we're creating these perfect little worlds, we're Instagramming. And so if you're not uh, perfect, uh, what does that look like on the Instagram feed? And yet this one thing, and I'm just going to be like <laughs> right. total, total me. Cause that's what I got to be. I say as much as we say, we want to see those people who aren't perfect and aren't this and aren't that look at the feed of somebody who does get majorly, let's just say life's not great. They're kind of being a little, and it depends on who they are. Like if they're super famous and super whatever, you know, we go like, oh my God, they fell. Yay. Um, But yet an average person, there's no like, there's a few likes, there's a few things, but there's not engagement, but somebody who's got the rockinest looking pictures and somebody's got it all together, you know, like, 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 you know, like we can't hit that like button fast enough. So we have to ask ourselves Mm -hmm. as people, like, what do we really, really want? What do we really, really want? And are we looking at those people who are opening up in the way in which they're opening up? Are we saying you're weak, you're not inspiring, or are we feeling Mm -hmm. like we're going to catch it if we get too close? Or, you know, like, what is it that we're afraid of? And yes, I'm a positive minded person. I try to focus my energy on, you know, how can I, how can I find the silver lining in this situation? But I say as society, we, everybody says we want vulnerability. We want authenticity. We want, 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 but the likes say different. The likes say different. So I would love to see us like (laughs) what we say we want as much as we desire within ourselves. And sometimes you know, along that line, I, I don't know if people how don't like it because they don't really like it or they don't like it because they're scared to like it. Or I, yes, I believe mm-hmm. they don't like it because it's threatening and scary and uncomfortable to see somebody willing to say that because most of us have been taught, oh, whoa, you know, we don't, my mom used to say, used to say, we don't air our dirty laundry. <laughs> my mom used to say and I grew up like that. So I think it's mm-hmm. it's not the norm. However, it is behind the scenes what we really want and what we seek and what the world today needs needs more of. And again, we could talk hours on that. We'll have to do this again. And we definitely will. And I can't wait for it all. I mean, just, just more and more and more. It's just there's so much juiciness. I know that every single person has. And I know we just touched on a few things that you have delivered to the world and, and have poured into me. And I'm just uber thankful that you've given, given us this time. Okay. So is there something that you, this is your audience, that you want to leave them with? Oh, I believe you're exactly where you are supposed to be right now. Everything is working for your greatest good and you're right where you're supposed to be. And if you're desiring more freedom, a lot of that is going to come from being that brave, fearlessly faithful woman and not being afraid of the pain of building a new muscle and giving it all you got. So that's what I'd leave you with. Mm, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So like I said, if you want to get more riches and feel more juiciness from our beautiful guest, Miss Nicole Montez, you can follow her on social media. 
anywhere. And it's Nicole K with a K, K like in kite, Montez. And she posts all the time on Instagram. I want to share this. Nicole (laughs) is the one who introduced me to Instagram. And I remember my very first (laughs) post to Instagram was with Nicole. And then I, and then I dropped the ball <laughs> and then I really didn't do much after that. And just recently jumping back in, it's a fun place. And I remember that's what you said. I'm having so much fun here on Instagram and it is, it's a fun place. And yes, it's a mark, a place to market, but I think every single person should be out there. And like you said, we are where we are and don't be afraid. Don't wait for life to be perfect before Absolutely. you ever show up and connect to other women. So no. You are a, right. you are an angel. You really, really are. And give your, give your daughters a hug. I'm a hugger. I, I love people. And I just know that you, you've got two little girls that you have wrapped your love around and I'm oh, loving you, God. hugging you and give them a hug from me. Thank you. So, thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to having that <laughs> real cup of tea at Kajani's with you, hopefully really, really soon. Oh, likewise, likewise. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks for listening to the Brilliantista podcast. If you love the show and have a moment, please let us know by leaving a review or subscribe to the podcast. Truly, this would mean the world to me and my team. And remember, ladies, share this with your friends because that's what friends do. If you want to stay connected, go to Brilliantista.com and join our Facebook group. You can also find me on social media at Sherry Custer or Brilliantista on all platforms. Most importantly, I hope you heard something today that inspires you to elevate your brilliance. Bye for now, Brilliantista. We'll be back next week.